podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Whether you seek adventure, search for answers, break down barriers, or see the world for what it can be, you're just what we're looking for. CIA is searching for women of all skill sets to join the Directorate of Operations and help protect our nation. Visit cia.gov careers. Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and this afternoon I'm joined by Tony Haggerty and Amy Canavan to talk about all things Celtic. How are you feeling this morning, Amy? All good? Okay. I know your team, your team's won the league. Okay. Yeah? Nice celebration yeah. after that. No, you're daft, you're being daft, not at all. Paddy Lavery afternoon Monday crew Yeah, we're getting some of the names coming in already If you are watching on any of the socials Including YouTube then get involved in the discussion There is plenty to talk about Celtic are going for 30 games Domestically on beating Tony Haggerty We're going to be talking about that Tony's already given us what he believes Will be the lineup. Amy will be talking to you about what you think will happen Tonight it's always difficult to know um, I think I'm probably averaging six or seven uh, players right every single week because Ange is, you know, he's he's one of these managers who is unpredictable at times when it comes to throwing in a wee curveball. And I think that's a good thing because uh, the discussion we had last week, Amy, was is it even necessary to have a fixed strongest 11? Ange doesn't seem to work like that, does he? No, I don't think he does. Um, and... I don't know. It's a good question. Is it a necessity? Because I see time and time again, uh, week after week, it's all about consistency. But then again, when you've got the squad that Celtic have and the way that Ange Postacoglu plays, it's so important that it is a squad and not just a team effort. So I can understand why you maybe say that it's perhaps not a necessity. Um, And again, that just shows, you know, strength and depth and and numbers. But I don't think he does have a set of living. um, Hence why nobody is able to, to kind of predict it but it keeps you on your toes a little bit it does and it's bound to keep the opposition on their toes as well um, the urban culture is uh, feeling a bit Marvin Gaye this morning let's get it on he says well absolutely indeed uh, Tony we spoke on Friday about your predicted 11 has that changed any over the weekend? no but as Amy said <laughs> I have to predict an 11 every game Amy so it's uh, yeah difficult I don't know why you bother Tony <laughs> Correct. I don't know why I bother. I'm asked to do it, so I do it. So it's, uh, but yeah, it's been. Uh, I always call it an arduous task. It's not arduous. It's quite enjoyable actually, because you want to see if you're bang on the money. A few times I've been bang on the money. A couple of times I've been seven eights. But I, I, on a good day, you get nine or ten. So I, I always say all that. But no, my team was uh, same as 
Livingston, except I had uh, one change. I had uh, Riley and for Rogic. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's fair enough. What do you reckon about um, O'Reilly's musical taste, Amy? He's into a bit of the old ACDC and Aerosmith. I'm shocked. I was extremely shocked. Um, <laughs> Are they not trendy not, enough like for not, somebody not of, of his calibre? I don't mind about Aerosmith a little bit, but I wouldn't have pinned them. No, I was very, very surprised. Very surprised. But fair play. Fair play indeed. The Urban Culture is back in. It's a good day to be Celtic to win the cup. Odds will be way shorter in the morning. Um, it's one of these games. I think uh, you know Tam Kurtz is. Uh, you know when you look at look at his performance over the season, he's done pretty well. Um, and you know on one occasion at Celtic Park, one each. I know that we have spoken about that quite a bit. Tony uh, Celtic certainly uh, didn't have it their own way that day. You weren't that impressed with Dundee United. We blew them away at Tanadice um, when Liam Scales scored an absolute. Belcher. Um, it's completely different in the cup though, isn't it? Monday night under the floodlights. Listen, this, this isn't a gimme. If you're suppose I'll get up there thinking this is a gimme, it's not. It's arguably one of the hardest ties you could have got. Mm. You've just got to be professional, be clinical, and do all the things you've been doing uh, in, the, in the 29 game unbeaten run. And hopefully your quality will see you through in the end. But it's a difficult, difficult game. Yeah. Well, I've yep. seen, I've, Team predictions are three 0 four 0 a bit like the last time. But they, they did the same in December. They they, they went up to Tanadice in December and what was supposedly a difficult game and they made very light work of it. But you have to say when Dundee United have turned up this season, they're pretty good to watch. Tamcourt has got them playing pretty well. Mm. So this is a one off cup. The shackles are off for Dundee United. Semi final at hand and at stake. You tend to trust the manager and you trust the quality players that Celtic have at their disposal. And if they do the right things and play the way they've been playing, then you find it hard to see past them, don't you? Take another step towards a possible domestic treble. Can we whisper it? Can we whisper it, Tony? A domestic treble? Well, people are thinking about it now, aren't they? So you can't... It's... What is it they say? It's the elephant in the room, isn't it? So embrace it. Meet it head on. As I say, it's just a it's a night for being professional and, and clinical and all the things that and, and as Angel always says, a night for playing our football. And if Celtic play our football, well, you can you you're pretty confident that they can go up there and win. Tony's mentioned uh, playing our football. And that is something that Ange, that's the kind of language Ange has been using, Amy. I want to talk throughout the, today's broadcast about the culture that has been implemented by Ange Postacoglu since he came in. We are heading towards 30 games unbeaten domestically, which is a far cry from three out of six uh, being defeats in, at the beginning of the season, where there was a little bit of panic setting in uh, among some of the Axon contributors, myself included. But before we start talking in depth about tonight's game and the potential for a domestic treble, not counting our chickens, uh, there has been a story broken just in the last wee while, I think it was on The Athletic, that Ben Doak is edging closer to a move to Liverpool. Uh, 16 years of age, he was thrust into the first team by Ange Postacoglu. Was, did he bypass the B team, Amy? Was he playing for the B team? Was he in and no, about that? So he's been in and about just very, very fleetingly, um, mm-hmm. minuscule uh, appearances. But he's obviously he's not signed a professional contract with Celtic. So any kind of 
you know, compensation part of anything like that, is, again, it's going to be minimal. Um, so he's really excited to think to work under Klopp. I think that's the, the real drive. But yeah, it was the athletic James Pierce book this morning as well, alongside Kieran Devlin. So it's just another one of those, you know, it's like Morrison out to, out to Bayern Munich. It's mm. that same old story that Celtic just can't quite seem to, to hold on to the youngsters at that time, you know. So obviously Ange has gave him a little bit of a chance and it's you would think at that time that's because that was him wanting to bed him in to the first uh, first team setup kind of kind of thing but then you're just putting them on the market you know and the, the rumours have been kicking around for a wee while there's been a few clubs down south um, Man City were, were looking as well so I don't think it was ever going to be long because the, the you know the, the attraction is there there's, there's no denying it but again it kind of just continues on that precedent that again Celtic are just letting these young players slip through their fingers it's a frustration of mine. It really is. I mean, we've spoken about it over the last year, um, mainly, Tony. And you you can maybe cash your mind back over the last 21 years in, in journalism talking about Celtic talents. And by the way, I don't know how prevalent it is elsewhere. I know there's some kind of big uh, names who have left other Scottish clubs. I get all that. But I focus on the Celtic setup. It seems to be happening with more regularity, Tony, than, than ever before. And we know that. Islam Farouz, he was an early example, wasn't he? Chelsea come in, he goes down there, we get a compensation fee. Um, but as uh, Amy has mentioned, there's been a couple of players went over to um, Hepburn as well, uh, gone over to Bayern Munich. We've lost players to Liverpool, Blackburn Rovers. We've lost Angelini, uh, David Hayes' grandson, the, the highly rated goalkeeper. Um, he went down to Watford, I think it was. Um, and Ben Doak seems to be the next in a long line of young talents, Tony, that we simply cannot keep. And I was looking at um, the circumstances around him being thrown into the first team, wondering... Has he been fast-tracked? Is, is Anne saying to him, listen, Ben, you know, you can be part of the plans. I'm going to prove it to you. Here's a few games. One of the games was against Rangers. Yet we seem unable to, to keep the talent at Celtic Park. And it's, it really is a point of frustration for me, Tony. Is it completely out of our hands? Is the, the bright lights of the English Premiership and elsewhere just too strong for these young guys? It's a worrying trend, isn't it? That's the problem, and you think they would maybe want to stay at Celtic and learn their trade. But is it is it down to is it money? You have to ask the question. Is it as you say the bright lights and, and money and the glamour of playing elsewhere? Because these are big names you're talking about: Bayern Munich, Liverpool, teams like that. So it, it's hard for a youngster not to be swayed by that as well. But I'll, you would like to think that Celtic do the level best to try and keep them but it's just mm. happening too often that it, it, it is pretty alarming isn't it and then the next one you're going to ask the question of Karamoko isn't it at the end of this season and we've yes. not seen enough of Karamoko in the first team uh, at all really through injury uh, sadly as well And but come the end of the season he's up for grabs isn't he because it's the end of his contract mm-hmm. and Celtic have a big decision to make on Karamoko as well and Karamoko's a big decision to make whether he commits to Celtic again but Ben, ben Doak's one that the glimpses you've seen of Ben Doak you, know, you saw that he had paced the burn energy mm-hmm. and you know, ally to, to some ability but what I always want to know is if Liverpool and Bayern Munich and these teams are seeing something and these guys why are Celtic letting them go so early and so easily and then I get back, you know, because 
where are at Celtic football club. I'm sure they you should stay and play and then play those a hundred games or whatever and then make yourself a, a saleable asset. What what happens at fifteen, sixteen that makes Liverpool Bayern Munich a more uh, a more enticing option than playing for Celtic's first team? This is a bit concern for me because you opened up there, Tony, by saying about money. Obviously, it's a huge thing because yeah. it's life changing for for any player at any age. But you know, when when you're a, a teenager and you're you're offered that carrot, I mean, you've just got to look at Leo Held. You know, he was a player that uh, it looked as though Celtic were trying to to work his development. He was getting the loan deals out, getting the first team football. Amy John Hughes memorably. Um, refer to him as being like Van Dyke, and I was looking forward to him coming back and being part of the, the you know the, the squad this season. He was part of the pre-season. It looked as though Ange was willing to give him some game time. Ockelflex was the other one, wasn't it? Um, these guys have, have played now for Leeds and West Ham United's first team respectively, uh, and it looks as though it's a it's an issue that's becoming more and more prevalent. Karamoka Dembele burst onto the scene as a 13 year old playing for. I think it was the under, what was it, the under 18s uh, as a 13-year-old. Makes his debuts, uh, debut at 16. Youngest player ever to play in Europe for Celtic at 16 years of age. But what I would say is it, there's no guarantee that that big move at that age, having not played much in the way first-team football, is going to work out. I mean, it's, it should it should be about your development. And I'm going to bring Kieran Tierney into this because he's in the news as well. There's There's a proposed move to Real Madrid and we'll talk about that as well but what Kieran Tierney did is he got those games under his belt that Tony's talking about Amy and it has shown that it's actually worked in terms of his development he then goes to Arsenal he's a first team player what's it going to take for Ben Doak to become a Liverpool first team player it's going to take a huge amount of effort development uh, and time as well before he's breaking in I would guess to the Liverpool first team so uh, what's your thoughts on it Amy it seems to me as though there's nothing actually that Celtic can do about this trend. Yeah, it's it's odd, and again, I understand the and like say like I'm 21, so these guys are younger than me. And if you're getting offered the ridiculous money that they're getting offered, you know, you are going to jump at, at that at that. So I, I do understand, and you want to say that you're a Liverpool player or a Bayern Munich player, of course. But my counter to that is as well, though, like I always think of Aaron Hickey. So that wasn't even the bright lights of a massive, you know, European club. You know, Celtic lost him to Hearts, got first team penises at Hearts. Now he's out ripping it up in Serie A, you know, and the Italians absolutely love him. And he's getting touted to be named in Steve Clark's Scotland squad tomorrow. Um, you know, and that's him still, he's only 18 or 19, something like that. He's born in 2002. So, like, even even the case of Aaron Hickey, and I understand that at the time obviously Celtic had Kieran Tierney, but you know just because you have one doesn't mean you can't. But so Hickey's always the one that I look at that not necessarily he would have broke it at Celtic. You never know, but you know at 15, 16, Celtic let him go to Hearts. You don't just magically then become the player that can go at still being a teenager going and ripping it up in Serie A. Um, so there's something just that's allowing or the, the fact that there's not a filter almost, there's not a gate that is then letting these players slip through Celtic's fingers, but it is all down to money, isn't it? Uh, well, you know the thing, Amy, what it does show is we, we can't sit here and say Celtic can't produce footballers. Well, of course they can. Otherwise, all these big clubs, Tony, wouldn't be interested in taking them down south or, or over to Germany. So Celtic are producing it, so that we're doing something right, but yeah. there just seems to be that bit. 
And I think money's a massive factor. Of course it is. Do you think maybe in recent years there hasn't been the pathway to the first team? Is that something that Ange can work on? Well, I think that's something that Ange said he, he was going to work on, which is why the B team trained the same way as the first team, mm-hmm. so that the transition isn't so difficult. No, but I, I think Ange had a lot to contend with when he came in the door. This is something moving forward he'll want to address. Ben Doak's been on Liverpool's radar since before Ange came in. Am I right in thinking that? I believe there's, was. there's been talk about it, yeah, for several months. So, Absolutely. I think if this is a kind of process that started before Ange came in and it's now coming to the fact that the boy might go to Liverpool, then I think you might find that that might be the kind of last of the youngsters if Ange can reverse that trend in any shape or form. Because Ange will be very much of the opinion the only way to develop your game is to play football matches mm-hmm. at, at the level that's required for you to then take your talent to the to the next stage. You know, so uh, Ben Doak's going to go to Liverpool and get swallowed by a system, isn't he? Mm. Yeah, he might be developed into a, a fine player. But when will that be? Two or three years down the line? Well, maybe even longer. You just don't know, do you? And as you said there, there's no guarantee. You'll get the money, but there's no guarantee you'll kick a first-team ball for Liverpool. Uh, whereas... I think Andrew trying to try and sell it in the fact that you know you're progressing really well here. You will kick a first team ball for Celtic, but again, as Andrew's always said himself, if you don't want to be part of it, there's the door. So I think yeah, there will come a time when you will have a, a nucleus of youngsters in the B team that want to be part of it, and they'll show them that pathway, and there will be natural progression. So maybe that at the moment's fractured a wee bit that there isn't. Mm-hmm a natural pathway as yet. Not so great. I mean, the, the whole killing of reserve team football yeah. sort of killed that, didn't it? That whole pathway, that the reserve team league and all that, when you played, they say, the corresponding fixture. You know, your first team and your second team played the corresponding... Once that was shattered, that, that blew it all apart, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was no clear pathway. But I think Andy's quite big on... I mean, I... I even from coming in and making the B team train the same way as the first team, that, that, that's a good initial step. And passing that down and saying, right, and then if you do promote a youngster, they come in and they don't feel lost, let's put it that way. And uh, they, their game will be naturally brought on when you're playing with better players. And then there'll come a point where they won't be or look out of place in a first team setup. So I think that's what Andy's trying to nurture, but it's, it's everything, isn't it? He's spinning plates. Yeah. Try to win, he's trying to win a domestic treble. You know, he's trying to uh, get a first team that can, as you say, towards a, a domestic dominance culture as well. And he's taking it bit by bit, isn't he? He says himself that, that the whole praise that he used building his beautiful house, but somewhere along the line, the B team will feature in that, won't he? And he will want, that'll be a promotion in his mind, reversing this trend of seeing good quality young players heading for the likes of Bayern Munich and Liverpool. Yeah, the thing the thing that you say there, Tony, is it's been a long time coming. I mean, you know, the reserve league was it's been years since we've had it, and Andrew's walked into it during a process where it's taken us to a point where in the past a group of Celtic youngsters, maybe on the ground staff, as it was called at some point, their dream was to kick a ball for Celtic. Now it seems as though that dream is to get a big move somewhere else. At the same time, I can look at a lot of the youngsters over the last ten, fifteen years who have proved very promising 
in their teenage years. Uh, by the time they're 21 or 22 and their contract's been run down at Celtic and they end up dropping down three or four leagues, the amount of players that that's happened to has been, I mean, it's been huge. The, the highest percentage of young talents have not made the grade at Celtic. So I can understand why young guys, 16, 17, 18, are saying, well, I'm going to take my move now. It's a short career. This might be my only opportunity. Four years later, I could be playing kind of lower league football in Scotland. I'm going to chance my mate. I'm going to try my luck elsewhere. I totally get that. We're talking about a culture. Uh, Dermot Celtic um, Rabito. Another step towards a domestic clean sweeps. Go for the boys. The reason I'm bringing this up is on the other side of the scale. James Robertson's asking, why start a dominance chat? No need for it. The reason I would talk about it is because it is about um, embedding a culture of success, a culture of meeting certain standards. And Ange Postacoglu has been all about setting his own culture at Celtic Football Club since he came in nine or ten months ago. And I think it's as relevant now as ever as our ex-manager Neil Lennon uh, took up a position at Ammonia last week after a year or over a year out of the game and he described this final season at Celtic as toxic. But surely, Amy, the culture of a football club, right, is implemented by the gaffer. And I think that when you look at Ange Postacoglu and what he has done since he's came in, he proves that you can actually flip the culture on its head because what we have now, and we're going to be talking about uh, some of this, is we've got a team who don't, don't even want a rest when they're given a rest with no midweek fixtures. You've got a team who want to continue to work towards the next hurdle, which is Dundee United tonight. What's your thoughts on the comments and on the culture that's been implemented by Ange Postacoglu of we don't stop? Yeah, it's very much, and you can see that the players are buying into that, and we've said that for, for quite a while now. And at the end of the day, that, that's all that, that really does matter, obviously, getting the fans on side, paramount. But if the players aren't buying into it, then, you know, something will need to change. And obviously, last year, nothing did change. But the players do seem to be, you know, wanting to, to put their bodies on the line for Postacoglu. And I think it's the respect each way. You know, we've, we've heard him talk so many times that, He's not one for always, you know, talking or, or going in the change room a lot because that's the player's space. So I think all these little things that he's just given, you know, Cal McGregory's place or given Joe Hart's place, just given mm. the respect each way, I think that's got a massive um, part to play in all honesty. You remember talking about a culture, um, the culture of success, Tony. I mean, is there anything wrong about looking towards a domestic kind of treble, the dominance that... Uh, Celtic not had become accustomed to but had built themselves up to in recent years um, I think it comes down to a, a culture of success I don't think it's uh, you know uh, getting ahead of yourself and you know when Ange is going into games for example like the Europa Conference League games and it now seems pretty clear that certainly in the second leg he was quite happy to forsake that for the league I don't think he would be looking at a domestic Scottish Cup in the same way he wants, surely he wants it all. Well, he said he wants it all. He said he wants to be there at the business end of the season when everything's handed out and he wants Celtic to be there lifting everything at the business end of the season. So he's ambitious, you know, and you just say it's What's wrong with trying to breed a culture of success? And he's, and he's, he's come in and he's tried to do that early doors with the, with the Celtic team and maybe surprised himself that they won the League Cup in December, because he probably didn't factor that in. Probably thought that was too soon in the rebuilding process. But they became winners very early on. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, they're now in the midst of a, an unbeaten 29 game domestic run, going for 30 tonight. Just to say that they won't, well, so potentially they've got 11 games left. Just to say that run won't go to what, 41. You know, and what's the problem with that? What, why, why are people you don't get ahead of yourself? That's that's the reality that you're facing. And if you do that, you'll win the title, you'll win the treble. So, as I said before, you embrace that. Andrew will be telling his players to embrace that. There is nothing to fear from this. You you, you embrace it and you go for it, as they say. And I think Andrew's, in a short space of time, it's been amazing that he has uh, instilled that culture in the, in the players. We don't stop. Joe Hart's comment the other day were quite significant, weren't they? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when, yep. you, when you looked at it and you thought, these guys were off for days off or holidays and they, and they knocked it back. don't know about you, but as a Celtic supporter, I think, that's magic. That's so easy. It's easy things to take days off, isn't it? And to take your time away and, and clear your head. And I get all that. And, and I wouldn't I wouldn't have batted an eyelid if the players did take time off to decompress. But he's got them all up. No want them. We're we're focused on the job at hand here. And, you know, we talk about getting ahead. You know, Celtic are going to have to go to Ibrox and win. Get your head around that. You know, if they want to win the title, you know, people say, oh, I'll take a draw right now. And I'm mind taking a draw. Get your head around the fact that if you go and win, you can, you know, you put yourself firmly in the driving seat. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the kind of things that the manager's instilling in the players. You know, and... and you say, I one game at a time. Yeah, it's one game at a time to the outside world. He's thinking of all sorts of things because that's the kind of guy he is, and that's a good thing. He's thinking about the team he's going to play at Ibrox. He's thinking about players and you know, Who, who's potentially coming back for who, certain games as well, Tony. Who's yeah. going to take all that mm-hmm. stuff? Because as he keeps telling me himself, we're at the business end of the season, and good teams feature prominently in the business end of the season, and he wants Celtic to be a good team. So if you want Celtic to be a good team, that means being successful. I, 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 I like that. I'm, I'm on board with that. You know what I mean? So, and yeah. Uh, yeah, so talking about cultures of domestic dominance, you're not getting ahead of yourself. That's what the manager has told you he wants to do. And not just domestically, he actually wants to be a force in Europe too. But again, that's something that you'll work on depending on what European tournament Celtic qualify for with a league position this season. Yep, it came a wee bit too early, I think, in the, the Ange Postacoglu process. Amy Pat Burns comes in. Seems like ages since we, we last seen the Celtic. Yeah, it does, actually. Uh, Brian Walsh picks up on that as well. I'm slightly concerned that tonight's game has almost crept up on us. We haven't played for a while. Hope it doesn't affect the performance. But that does lead us on to the Joe Hart comments, Amy, whereby he has basically said that they're loving their work so much they didn't want to take a rest. When that's coming from someone with that level of experience the England international experience that he has, by the way, the European experience that he has uh, over the piece as well, that must be rubbing off on a lot of the younger players as well. And it, it, it actually feeds into this culture that we're talking about as well, Amy. Yeah, it's the, the drive's there then, isn't it? Um, and that's what, you, that's what you want. I think, I don't think it's, it's uh, going back to that comment, though, I don't think it will have crept up. I think, you know, take us back eight days ago and we were like, this is pretty decent that we've got a bit of a break just to recharge the batteries. I know at the other end then. Um, but I think 
I think it could prove pivotal. I certainly hope it. I hope it will. Um, I've never really thought of it in a negative kind of sense because I just felt, you know, Celtic went through like what was it? It was something crazy, like eight games and or was it eleven games in five weeks? Something mental. Um, so it's. I think it can only be, you know, a recharge of the batteries. You're listening to Ange Postacoglu having more time on the training ground, just getting to implement the style, style and little training techniques that they've maybe not been able to do because it has been so much, you know, just game, recuperate, prepare, and there's not been a, a sustainable period really to, to try and implement anything else. So um, I think it is absolutely, you know, going to be... Um, a, a positive thing that the, the recharge of the batteries will have been there, but it is only can only be a great thing to hear that from Hart that they actually didn't want to stop. I think many of their bodies will definitely have been, you know, thankful for it. But the fact that they just want to play, you know, then that means as well that there's demands, or well, you'd like to think that then, you know, players are, are competing for for their position. Nobody's just walking into the the side and with the strength and depth that we're kind of been talking about trying to get at least, you know, two per position, then, you know, it's all about fighting for for your spot. So the fact that they want to keep playing, it can only be, as you say, that, that culture that we don't stop. We don't stop. 1967 doesn't like this chat about dominance, just fueling the fire for determination for Rangers. All this chat comes back to embarrass you. Does it? Does it really? Is it not about having a culture of success? Is it not about aiming to win every single game and every single trophy that's at your disposal? Brian Walsh, I want to see us going full strength tonight. It is not a night for rotation. A natural, this is what I mean, what is full strength? A natural left-footed player at left-back, please. This is the thing, we will be talking about who starts tonight, Brian, and sometimes it can be difficult, especially if you're looking upon it on a game-to-game basis. Um, Does any of the players that came in, um, you know, in our our last encounter against Livingston, deserve to be dropped? That's a big question. James Forrest, does he deserve to be dropped? Tommy Rogic, I know that uh, Tony's replacing him tonight with Matt O'Reilly. What about Nier Beaton, does he deserve to be dropped? It's a difficult one, but we will be talking about it. I want to talk about Kieran Tierney. KT, we loved a bit of KT, didn't we? And he showed what can happen when you come into a Celtic side and you develop as a Celtic player. You look at that shot of him coming on for the first time as a sub. Looks like a skinny wee laddie. And then by the time he leaves, he's an absolute machine. And he goes to the English Premiership. He stars for Arsenal. And there's now talk about him going to Real Madrid for 50 million quid. Now, I think in terms of an example, Tony, surely Kieran Tierney's that example. You can develop, you can get there with, you know, by staying at Celtic, you can still get there. You can still get to Arsenal. You can still get to Real Madrid. Yeah. But well, I mean, Kieran Tierney's story is just, it's, it's remarkable that John Collins asked him to make up the numbers. And then him and Ronnie Dyla watched him and thought, He's not bad. Finally. And I, you know, I got that story from John Collins firsthand. So I just said to him, what, what did you think? He went, honestly, just couldn't believe it. He was just, he, Ronnie and I, and I just turned to each other. There's this guy behind me. You know, they, they kind of knew of him but didn't realise how good he was. And But he said that the thing about it was, Tierney embraced it. Tierney wasn't a guy who was picked to make up the numbers. Tierney went in and thought, right, I'll show them how good I am. I'm, mm. I'm a first-team player in the making. And he just they, they forced uh, Ronnie Dyla and John Collins' hand to say, OK, we'll let you train with the first team more and more. And, and through that, 
again, you develop, you become a good player, playing, playing up alongside better players. And Kieran Tierney went on his path and his journey and, yeah, became, as you say, the young boy who became the kind of machine. And good luck to him. But he, he showed once he was there that he belonged there, didn't he? Mm, yeah. Worked on his game as well and uh, became a class player for Celtic, but played the amount of games needed to make yourself a saleable asset. And then when Arsenal came calling, it's, you know, much to a lot of the Celtic supporters' dismay. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And some anger as well, what people still haven't forgiven, Keelan Tierney, but you can only just say thank you for everything that you did. Go and take your career to the the level that you want it to go because you can't stop them can you you can maybe stop them at 16 and I think that's what Angel want to address in the future but when they get to Kieran Tierney's age and they've played that amount against for Celtic and they've been very successful you can't stop it then but we want that part we want that middle part don't we play over you 100, 100 yeah. for Celtic and then go with, go with my blessing and, and I think most Celtic supporters will admit now that Kieran Tierney was just built for bigger and better things. It pains you to see it, but he, he's proved it, hasn't he? And Gen- generational like, talent, absolutely. Yeah, as much as we like to think that Celtic are the greatest team in the world, and they are in your heart and your mind, if you're a romantic, you know, the, the, the reality is that Arsenal's and Real Madrid's of this world, you know, we're trying to compete with them, but we know deep down that it's, it's a hard ask, isn't it? It is, and I remember back in the day, me reading uh, the program notes one day in the in the nineties, and Pat McGinley was was asked, Pat McGinley being the ex Celtic and Hibs midfielder, he was asked who that uh, he wanted to play for when he was a kid, and he said AC Milan, and that perturbed me. I was like, well. You know, no, no, son, Celtic. That's who you want to play for. Because I, I remember the shooting, the match interviews with the likes of Tommy Burns and Peter Grant, favourite Cel- second team, Celtic reserves. And I love yeah. that attitude. But I understand as uh, time has moved on in the modern game that if you had this generational talent as KT was, 
that um, you want to challenge yourself. Did it come too soon for him? Well, he's proved that it hasn't. We felt as Celtic fans that it had because we wanted him to stay at Celtic, clearly. Amy, when he left, did you expect him to be making this level of progress? I think we did. Um, I, I certainly felt or certainly hoped that, that he would, but I think we did. Um, and I think that's as well probably because... There was a little bit of disappointment at the time, certainly for me, that I was like, oh, why Arsenal? Like, I just don't think Arsenal aren't the best in the South by quite a long stretch. They've been on decline for a number of years now as well. Um, so I think it, there was a lot of disappointment because I did think even then that he could have went to a, a higher level. But, you know, he's maybe done it the right way around. He's went in and totally and utterly, you know, the, the Arsenal fans have took them to, like, like how we really did, to be honest with they're also very good at actually, you know, and if you follow any kind of like Arsenal content, they do very much like still play it up to the boy with the H um, and they mm-hmm. make sure that his Celtic links are, are still kind of always there. But I think he was always going to be destined for, for bigger things because he, he is better than Arsenal. You know, he walked in, had a tricky time um, with injuries, but like I say right now, you know, you, you watch some of the captain's armband and there's a good reason for that as well. Because he is by far the, the greatest leader that they have on that park, you know, and that's with multi, multi, multi-millionaire or million-pound players, sorry. Um, but again, yeah, I think it was. But as you rightly touched upon, it is a generational talent. Yeah, it was funny to see that we clip him squaring up to the opposition player whilst hiding behind the uh, linesman the other day. I thought that was great. We bit yeah. gallus, uh, <laughs> and then he's modelling the Adidas uh, Barrowland trainers as well. Um, do you think we'll see him back in the hoops again at some point? Maybe in the kind of like twilight his career? Yeah, because he's, he's openly said that. I could he see that, Tony. So, and I think he, he might even cut short, you know, whatever his final destination is, to come back to Celtic and not insult people's intelligence and just wind down the clock. I think he'll want to give Celtic two or three years of good service, like decent service. Because he might think himself that he left too early, but it was a financial decision that suited everybody. So I think he'd like to come back and not just, you know, last 18 months and, and wind it all down and play at parts. I think if you're Kieran Tierney, he wants to come back and, you know, and, and contribute, which would be great. I, I just think it's in his mind. Because mm. he, he's, been, he's been pretty straight down the line about these kind of things, you know. He, he, he loves the club. He loves a club with a passion, you know, but he, he just, his, his whole career just went stratospheric, didn't it? Very early. But that that's because he worked on his own game too. And uh, you surprised to see him being linked with a move to the Alma Well, not in the slightest. I remember saying, uh, I, I used to do uh, the English kind of National Football Museum. They would have like, Zoom calls and stuff, and there was a few Arsenal fans there, and they asked me, about Tierney and I just said to him one word diamond and then Amy said he had a couple of injuries at first and mm. I was getting what happened to the diamond I just kept saying diamond and then a few a few months down the line they were like diamond and I'm like told you so you, you just you asked my opinion and this guy was a diamond of a footballer and he will prove it I said and I said to him and he will leave you broken hearted too it's yep. something that, along the line and the day will come oh, I said, uh, enjoy him while you can. And they were like, oh, they're near the same. Like, oh, he'll not get bigger than Arsenal. Saying, Sadly, he will get bigger than Arsenal. Believe me, he will. And uh, you, you're not, and it's not being 
wise after any event, you sort for yourself. Yeah. This is, you see, a once-in-a-generational talent. You, you looked at that and you thought, well, this boy's got what it takes to go to talk. He's the right attitude too, on and off the park. You know, quite a humble guy. And mm-hmm. remember there was that kind of story where he took his books in a, a plastic bag and all that, which made headline things, a, a Tesco bag or something, you know, that kind of not forgetting your roots in it. Mm-hmm. No, no, Louis Vuitton for the ball. Here and here and there, Tesco, but I'll do. You know, and, and, and I think that's brilliant. Keep, you know, keeps you, keeps you grounded. You know, that kind of thing and those kind of touches. And I wish him nothing but the best because he comes across as a genuine, genuine guy who loved the football club and it was just natural progression that took him away from Celtic. But I think he will come back and he'll want to play a prominent part, not, not as a kind of pension topping up exercise, if you get what I mean. No, I think we, we will see it. We've had players like Henrik Larsson and Van Dijk who have gone on to win the European Cup or the Champions League. Uh, I wouldn't bet against Tierney being one of those players as well. Would I have him back? And in an absolute heartbeat. Uh, Sean McAteer, evening from Hong Kong. Thanks for tuning in, Sean. Love the show. Great midfield three for tonight's show. Uh, at some point, would it be possible to go over the Puskestein Big Ange connection, please? <laughs> Because we mention it from time to time, Tony, when you and I are on the show. Well, well Sean, he sent me his email address and I wrote, I wrote an article about it. Uh, and I'll, I'll ping him the article because it kind of, if he wants to read it, that is. Brilliant. Yep. Tony delves into that, Sean. So give us your email and uh, we will get that sent on to you as well. Uh, Jake Ryan. Great to be top of the league, but Rangers are on their way to the quarterfinals of the Europa League, something we haven't done in decades. European failures need to be addressed next season. I'd agree with that. I think uh, Tony called it right when he says that uh, you know it was maybe just a, a bridge too far this season, but I'm pretty sure Ange Postecoglou will be looking towards next season and making better progress in Europe. Um, a couple of players who got quite a bit of European experience under their belts this season so far, Amy, um, have been Jota and Cameron Carter-Vickers. And I found it interesting when Ange Postecoglou was talking about the future of the pair, um, and he didn't go in saying, you know, we're going to sign these guys, etc. What will be will be um, slightly concerning. Do you think if we don't sign them that, you know, it might actually show a measure of our ambition moving into a potential Champions League campaign next year? I don't, I honestly don't even want to imagine not signing them. Because um, I think mm. I've just like led myself to believe that they are Celtic players. But, um, yeah, I think it would be, I think it'd be a really, I think it'd be a really poor sign actually if Celtic don't because, Especially, especially Jota. No, I was going to say especially Jota, but you need Cameron Carter-Vickers at the back. I think equally, um, it would just be catastrophic because I think if I think most Celtic fans have now certainly, I don't, well, I've certainly not met anyone that's not bought into the ideas of, of buying them both. I think they're so crucial to everything that's went on at the start of this season um, and and throughout and. Yeah, there's been so much talk around it. Then there was, you know, as always in January, you would every few days you would get Jota's close, Carter Vickers is close, Jota's close, um, and then obviously January's uh, came and gone, and and still neither have signed. So I think it'd be really, really tough if they never. Um, and I think I think it's just really poor for them because they're both guys who you know have had a lot of loan moves already in their career. Carter Vickers in particular, you know, played everywhere. Um, and this is the first time that they've both racked up 
30 plus games and, and mm. constantly. You know, Carter Vickers is your, your number one star in centre half. Um, and he, he's built up a real partnership or triangle actually with, with Joe Hart as well at the back, but obviously a partnership with Starfield. And then Jota, you know, everyone's just, I don't know, a Celtic fan that doesn't love him. So they're at a place where they certainly seem to be happy as well. They're they're playing a style of football that suits the both of them. You know, Carter Vickers is so comfortable with the ball at his feet, happy to strike forward as well. Doesn't do it as much as I'd actually like. But then Jota, you know, he's so happy on either either flank as well. And and Anthony allows him that. That you know, when you see when he's perhaps a little bit frustrated, he'll swap flanks uh, just to, to take on that, that that defender instead. So. He's getting a lot of freedom, and I don't think that's something that he's obviously got anywhere else. Hence, why he's not had this such a successful run that he's having. And they do both look as happy. And obviously, the key reason he's bought IKEA furniture. So you don't do that if you're leaving in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, um, Ange is brutally honest. He really is. Uh, you've spoken to him quite a number of times now, and I think that was interesting where he was pretty non-committal. It was all about. You know, as long as they do what they can for us whilst they're here, the future will, will will take care of itself. But I'm a wee bit like Amy in that I see the planning for next season. For example, if we go into the summer and we were to sign the pair of those players, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that it would it would be a big outlay in terms of transfer fees and wages, then you'd be looking at your budget. If we went and bought another three guys in on loan, as we do have at the moment, Maeda's obviously on loan and, and Jota and Cameron Carter-Vickers, and we went into the new campaign with the squad we already have, those two guys permanent and a few other loanies, then I would be thinking we're in a much stronger position than we were last year. If we don't get them in, left-hand side um, of our attack is a big issue then because we don't have that backup that we do have on the right-hand side, that we do have through the centre, that we do have in the mid. We just don't have it. And the central defensive area is a big concern because we don't have that standard if you remove Cameron Carter-Vickers. But these are two of the plates that I'm just spinning in his head, isn't it? And I think just now, nothing will detract the team from trying to achieve, first and foremost, winning the title. Now, nobody knows if Carter-Vickers and Jota are any closer to signing at the end of the season than they were signing in January or signing a permanent deal when they walked in the door. Right? It's all speculation. It's all hearsay. The situation remains the same. So there was never any panic. It was always a, a season-long loan with the option to buy at the end of the season with with, with a, a price in place and on the proviso that the players were happy. It suited every party. A deal will be concluded. That's no change. So people talk about inching closer, yada, yada. It's, you know... Um, until they sign on the dotted line or they walk away from the building, that then that, that's it. But I think Angie's he doesn't need that now, right? You've eight games to go, you win six, you'll be crowned champions. I think that's uppermost in the team's mind. Not about contracts, not about who stays, who goes, because that'll all come out in the wash in the summer. But I think they'll certainly put themselves in pole position to get those deals over the line if they won the title and they go straight into the Champions League. Mm-hmm. So one drives the other, kind of, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the manager's totally aware of that and he's also totally aware of life without them too. And he'll be, right now, looking at players because you know what he's like. He told us 
he looks at players that will fit his system, not just if he's a good player. So he'll he'll have in his head ready-made replacements or guys that can come in and do a similar job. Yeah, we don't want to contemplate that. We might have to contemplate that. But conversely, we might sign after winning the title and that feel-good factor can, can last right through the summer. Is it vital we get them? Yeah, for the way you see the team developing, you think it's vital. Is the out, the outlay's not particularly high? Because I think if you're going to get two players of similar quality, you're going to pay a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And who they are, I, I wouldn't know at this precise moment in time because I've not really scanned around and trying to think myself about who would come in to replace them. But they've made a vital contribution to this team. And I think the manager, he's totally aware of that. Totally aware of where Celtic go after that life with them, life without them. But I agree with Amy, the, the thought of losing them just fills you with a bit of dread, doesn't it? Really, and you kind of you wince and you do think, Well, oh, please get it over the line, let them stay. I hope they're happy, and they appear to be happy, don't they? They do, they do. And so, I think the Champions League's massive. I, th- yeah, I think, and you know. I just think, talk of contracts at this stage in the season, the same way I said with Brown coming back. Bennett, you, you've got the, nothing else matters tonight. You've got a, a leg of a potential treble. Yeah, you have to address it because Celtic are still the only team that can win a treble. And if they win tonight, you take a step closer to that. Yeah, fine. But the be all and end all from the start of the season in July, August was win, try to win this title back. Nothing detracts from that. Everything else is a sideshow which you don't need, don't want. Even so, talk of these guys signing. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Bennett, it, it just it doesn't enter your head. As Joe Hart said, we don't stop. Just be relentless as you can, chalking up wins, chalking up points, Talking up cup wins. Yeah, let's do this. They've got a potential 11 to go. Just focus on, on, on what's ahead. And the first focus is Dundee United. Wider picture, of course, there's domestic dominance and a treble there. Yeah, we get that. But just focus on the job at hand. Tony um, has mentioned this, the Scott Brown 
comments from last week, Amy, which I've got to say I completely agree with them. I wouldn't be making any kind of changes uh, at all between now and the end of the season in that respect. I wouldn't be bringing anybody in. Um, do you agree with that? I know that uh, for the first time in his adult life, Scott Brown is currently unemployed, uh, <laughs> looking for um, you know other opportunities. And some Celtic fans that led a discussion on Axon one of the days to say, should he come back to Celtic? I'm, I'm of the view, I've got to say, I agree with Tony. You don't make any changes like that at this stage of this season. No, I don't think so. I am in the summer, fine, fair enough. And again, it gives Postacoglu a chance then to, you know, see what could Scott Brown bring to coaching staff. Because I know, and rightly so, he said, you know, that there's always going to be a door open for him. But it can't just be purely for sentimental reasons that Scott Brown's brought back. You want him to be able to offer something in that in a coaching capacity as well. Um, and and he would want that, you know, he wouldn't just want to be let in just because of, you know, who he is or, or whatnot. You want to be you know, very much the, the best man for the job. But at this stage in the season, no, um, you keep going. And I think it's almost as well, you've got to give respect to the guys that have got there with Andrew Coglu and the team thus far as well. Um, but... As Tony's saying, Andrew's got so many plates to be spinning right now. You don't need that other one, you know, of trying to bring in Scott Brown. I know that sounds silly because he should just be able to, you know, you know, bed himself right back in. But it's a totally different culture than, than what it was to than the culture that he left behind. So, no, not at this stage. I don't think there's a... I also just don't think there's a need, you know. Celtic are thriving right now. So mm-hmm. you just, if, if it's not broken, don't try and fix it. I like it. Yeah, there is no toxic culture at Celtic anymore. Let's talk football. Come on. Dundee United going to ruin the history books and get their first Scottish Cup win over Celtic in 41 years. Come on, back it up. How are they going to do that? Let us uh, hear your thoughts. Let's talk football. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll bring them up. Jonathan Brown comes in. He's talking about Yakamakis starting up front tonight. Let's have a chat about that then. Let's have a look at some of the uh, dilemmas or some of the choices that will be made this evening by Ange Postacoglu. And one of the big questions, I guess, is Maeda, who he's been talking about, Tony, during the week. He's been talking about what he brings to the club. Um, and, of course, he is a player that he knows a lot about. Yakamakis, he came in, tricky start, won over a lot of fans. Then he was out with a wee bit of illness. He seems to be back in the firing, uh, firing in line. He is up for selection tonight. Who do you pick? I think uh, when I asked you last week, Tony, you were still going to stick with Maeda. Yeah, I was sticking with Maeda because his confidence levels would be up from the Livingston game. Zachary Marcus didn't get the chance to uh, play back-to-back games after he's done the hat-trick when his confidence level was sky high. Because he told you in his comments afterwards, didn't he? And he got ill, you know. So I'm a kind of yellow jersey, Tour de France kind of guy, you know, if you've got it and you've done nothing wrong. And But again, I, I've not got a qualm about who plays. I just think he'll maybe play Maeda because he, I think everybody expected Jack Amakis to come in last week against Livingston. And again, he threw the curveball by playing Maida. And Maida justified his selection because he had arguably his best game on a Celtic jersey at a venue that was really difficult. And he got Celtic off to that flying start with the opening goal, which relaxed everybody in Celtic, played our football, as Ange brands it, and they won very comfortably. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as I say, I, I'm not first who he plays up front, but I just think the owners will go to Maeda because he likes Maeda. He's, he's always telling you what Maeda brings and, and I think the Celtic supporters it's maybe been a slow burner with Maeda, but you can see what he brings. He's a, he's a quality footballer. 
And I think once he's really settles down, he, he will he will score a lot of goals. And, and, and the same with Jackamakis. <laughs> Jackamakis is now showing signs of settling down. So it really is a, a coin flip for who plays up front tonight. And I'm really not first who does. Uh, people have their, their preferences. I've saved Angel Go with Maida. So there's every chance Angel play Jackamakis, isn't there? So. And, and I give it what do I know type thing, you know. But I, I trust the manager implicitly. I say I made I made a point of saying last Monday we were, we were on this show that he called that team spot on against Livingston. Yes. None of the three of us, any of the fans that went and, and occupied those three stands, and many other Celtic supposed we'd never have played that team. But he got it spot on, even with Forest, you know things like that. So there was a major hat tip to him last week. In terms of his selection and his tactics and the way they, the way they embraced that game and they played it, and that's your template for the next eleven. That's it. See if you needed a pick me up, you know, because people were saying their levels had slackened off. I'd even asked them if there was a lack of spark, and I get my head bitten off for it. Fine. That's yeah, exactly. Just working. <laughs> but you know, there was no lack of spark at Livingston, was there? No. And you think to the next eleven, if there's no lack of spark, then it will be successful. I think um, it is a flip of a coin, Amy. I like Maida. I like what I've seen. Owen McGrandall's a lad. Maida never hides or gives up. Maida for me, I would agree with that. Um, will McMillan also comes in to say Maida is in form and will play like Tony says. You've got the jersey. You keep it until such times as you fall out of favour or you're injured or you're ill. I think what we've got is we certainly do have, from what I've seen. Two players who are pretty much on a level. Kyogo is on a different level. And obviously we've been missing him since December. But it could well be that it's a double-pronged um, kind of approach whereby whoever starts, he's going to give you 60 minutes. He's closing down the opposition. He's tracking back and winning free kicks because you, both players can do that. Um, and then once you've kind of tired them out, you might have scored a goal or forced an OG or got a penalty as made I did against Livingston and at 60 minutes you've got another fresh pair of legs on the bench I think it's a, it's a particularly good position to be in albeit I don't think either of the two of them are anywhere near the level of the first choice striker in Kyogo No I don't think they are but again it's total toss of the coin tonight I honestly wouldn't mind whoever it was I, whoever it is sorry I do think I would go Maeda um, or I think Angela again purely on the same basis as you, that played really well against Livingston, so you've got to think that confidence is going to be high, that he's wanting to run out. And again, it's that, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. And in the same kind of breath, then I would I would start James Forrest. Um, just because, again, I think, you know, he got a lot of plaudits last week, obviously got his little trophy really awkwardly. Um, and I, I would just go with go with that as well. So very much on the same basis that if it's... You know, if you if you've got the jersey and you've not done anything to to lose it, then I think you keep it. And saying that though, obviously you said at the top, who's the curveball? I think the curveball will be Liam Scales. Oh, left back. Yeah. Interesting. I was yeah. going to ask you about fullbacks. That's an interesting one because he did play particularly well at Tannadice earlier in the season. Uh, Michael Quinn is def- delighted for Kieran Tierney. He'll be back though. That'll be an interesting one. I imagine the. Uh, the video when he signs uh, Twitter will go into meltdown. John Miller disagree with the Brown comments. It's not sentimental. He is the ultimate winner. I also think at some point in the future we will see Scott Brown back at Celtic. I just don't think you want to rock the boat. 
as uh, Bob Marley said. Now, let's talk about the full-back scene as you brought it up with that wee curveball, Amy Canavan. Left-back, Liam Scales. The big question is, I guess, um, who do we play right and left? Because I thought Tony Ralston did his usual against Livy, performed pretty well, Tony. Left-back, there's still some Celtic fans got question marks around Greg Taylor. Some, even myself, I, I've suggested Juranovic is a better left-back um, than Taylor, who do we start in the full-back positions because they are so important to the whole shape of Angie's team? Well, well my team starts with the same full-backs that played against Livingston, because they did nothing wrong. And I've said before, <laughs> probably Tony Ralston is every time he comes into the team, having been out, it gives you a reason not to put him out again, doesn't he? So he was terrific against Livingston, and Greg Taylor as well, who's been a bit of a whipping boy, he's been pretty solid recently too. Uh, you know, Jim Moore always says, can we get better at left-back than Greg Taylor? Yeah, we probably can. Mm. But the guy the guy has to be cut some slack because he's not allowed any mistakes. Whereas the likes of Ralston and Carter Vickers and Starfield can maybe have the odd wall when people say, ah, they're still solid. Greg Taylor does anything wrong. It's hopeless, no good enough, no Celtic class and all this. You know, he gets a lot of criticism for that. But I, I've noticed in the last few games that Greg Taylor's uh, engine's been good. Getting up down, and his passing's been pretty smart on the money most times. So I think you know, people are looking for instances to give give it to Greg Taylor with both barrels. Uh, but on the premise that I think they'll just that team that played against Livingston and played very well, and they should start again. I I, I think, and you know, I've no any insight as to what Angie's team is, but I just think he'll go with Alston and Taylor again on that premise going again I used the kind of yellow jersey analogy because they played really really well mm-hmm. you know and that, that's what you want from a Celtic team who's homing in on the in the business end of the season that's what you wanted so uh, whilst I think he'll rotate certain players in the 8 games stroke 11 if they get through the cup games to come I don't think you'll see too much uh, it'll be one or two tops in this run that's coming up. Tony's going for Taylor. Amy's going for Scales. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Urban Culture's got a fight on his hand if he wants to adopt Tony Ralston. Amy Canavan called for Ralston to play ahead of John Joe <laughs> Kenny all last season. Uh, the other one, of course, is that uh, Tony Wood dropped Tommy Rogic tonight for, for Matt O'Reilly. What's your thoughts on that? Because I think against Hibs, it was almost a flip because... O'Reilly comes on, best player on the park. And then against Livingston, Tommy Rogic was one of the best players on the park. Um, it's a great dilemma to have, but who do you opt for, Amy? Rogic. Purely because Tony's not. Um, and yeah, it means one of us has hopefully got to be right. Um, no, I would go Rogic. Um, again, I, just, I felt it was one of his best performances in a, in a wee while. Again, most definitely since Motherwell. Um, and I just think... Sometimes the rough and tough suits Rogic a little bit. He doesn't mind getting, you know, in and around um, a little bit. I'm not saying that it really doesn't, because he certainly does, but I think he'll go with, with Rogic tonight. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I'm picking Rogic simply on the musical taste of Matt O'Reilly, which I think were shocking. I'd bench on. I'm not too fussed, because you've got two players of equal ability, haven't you? Yep. And I just thought the wee cameo that O'Reilly had when he came on against Livingston was really, really good. Because he was quite, uh, he, he drove them forward and he played a couple of two balls and I just thought, 
he might have played himself into contention for Kirk Ty, because again, going back to the rotation thing, logic will be needed for games where, you know, further down the line, league games and stuff, where you might have to break down stubborn defences. Mm-hmm. And I think just rotating certain positions, uh, logic and O'Reilly's position being one of them. But you've got two players who are vying for that jersey who are, you know, who's the best player out of those two? You know, you, you couldn't really say, could you? You, you? That's a whole show in itself to to debate the living daylights out of that. But what you are happy with is you've got like for like. You've got squad depth in that position alone and, and that, that's a great thing for the last eight games, net 11, if you get through the quarterfinal and semi-final. Absolutely. Patrick Dolan, uh, chaos under the lights tonight, apparently uh, reminiscent of the 1980s. Tony and I will be under the studio lights because we'll be covering the game. I'm not going to ask you for a prediction because I'll be chatting to you later on tonight, Tony, and I'm sure we'll get in about all of that. You feeling confident tonight, Amy? I am. Um, I am a bit of a buzz kicking around. Um, and yeah, just like you say, obviously not seen Celtic in, in a wee while. Had a, obviously, as I said at the top of the show, had a great weekend with uh, Bonnerig Rose. And on that note, I have to um, there's not many Celtic fans in Bonnerig, there's not many Celtic fans through where I live, um, but uh, at Bonnerig, massive Celtic family. The Kirkwoods are chairman, they're amazing. The Kirkwoods are long history Celtic. And the littlest one we had is getting his tonsils taken out, so we missed our, um, our celebrations on Saturday. So I promised I'd give a wee shout out to him. So I hope your operation goes okay, be man. Brilliant. Superb, Amy. It's all happening in Bonnie Rig. All you can say to that, Paul John, is love grows where my Bonnie Rig grows. Oh, I love it. Hey, well done. Yeah, cue, cue uh, an outro track. Yeah, it's all happening in Bonnie Rig, Amy, actually, because you've got Brooke Combe as well, who's absolutely smashing it. So, fair play to everyone from Bonnie Rig. Pat, oh, by the way, Starfield hat trick, 1500 to 1. I keep saying this. Starfield's the only outfield player that's not scored a goal for Celtic. Will tonight be the night? Because I bet you get long odds on him opening the scoring for Celtic. Tony and I, half an hour before kick off. Is that up there with Ayer towering header? Towering header by Ayer, still waiting on it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Starfield to open the scoring tonight. You heard it here first. Uh, Tony and I will be covering the game half an hour before it kicks off. Thanks everybody for getting involved in the chat. As always, if you're watching on YouTube, get yourself subscribing. Click on the link underneath this video to visit Who Knows Wins for a special Celtic um, group where you can go in and you predict, I think it's half a dozen outcomes and there's a wee pot developing nicely on that as well you'll notice some of the axon team are involved and thank you once again amy canavan and tony haggerty for joining me on a celtic state of mind Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? 
Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's E-A-S-Y to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.